0: Welcome back to Happy Time Buckeye Talk, 48-3 to people. Doug LaMaurice, Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, in my car outside Ohio Stadium after the Buckeyes took care of the Michigan State Spartans. I'm feeling better after being sick this week. Bill,
1: how do you feel generally? I miss the uh, Kirk Ferentz Big Ten Coach of the Year podcast, but otherwise I feel good. And Tim is getting sick. Yeah, I I blame
2: you two guys and not setting up a proper quarantine zone during the Wednesday podcast when we were in the same car. We needed like that plastic wrap that they have in like the movie Outbreak that sets up the quarantine zones, or and just have a feeder mic that goes out from what we're recording on that goes kind of pokes a hole through the wrap to get to me so I don't get sick. Already with the movie
1: references.
0: Let me tell you what this car is full of right now. I'm gonna be completely honest because on Buckeye Talk we always keep it real. It is full of germs. And it is full of farts. And that's just how it is. And that's just how it's going to be, and that's what this podcast is going to be like. We're going to keep this tight. This is going to be a tight Buckeye talk, because they whacked them. So we're getting right to your questions, and you guys have a lot of questions about the Jekyll and Hyde Buckeyes. What is up with that? So, Bill, where do we start?
1: Okay, I guess we'll start with that question. Uh, Chase Richardson, our boy from down in uh, Fort Myers. He said, why do we never know if it's going to be Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde with this team? I guess it gets right to the point of what you asked. I don't know. I have no idea. It's so it's so strange to me. Like, this game made, made last week seem even more bizarre in my mind. I'm sure it did for you guys, too. Like, I still can't fully wrap my head around. Not that they lost. How they lost like that, given what we just saw against Michigan State. I think this is legitimately one of the four best teams in the country and like now they're not going to get to play for it because they lost by 31 at Iowa. I think part of this is, this is what happens in college football. I think it's a fallacy, and this is what happens in
0: sports. We can't sit and pretend that other teams always play good or that other teams always play bad. There are teams out there that everybody does this to some degree. So even a very good team like Ohio State throws in a clunker every now and then. So that uh, the big thing for me after last week going forward was was that a bad day or was that indicative of problems in the program? And I think there are problems when you allow a day like that to happen. It indicates some problems. But are are we in agreement that in the end is that was that more just a bad day from when they come back and do this the next week? Does that mean Iowa was a bad day, Tim?
2: I'd say so because Iowa then turned right around and got blown out at Wisconsin, and their only points came off of a pair of pick sixes from Josh Jackson.
0: So, and by the way, the other thing is too, the guy who picked off JT and made their lives miserable like might be like the tenth pick in the draft and did the same thing again today. Um, and they had a really good plan. I, I don't know. I stuff happens. I do think they had a poor plan last week. I think they had a poor plan, and then some things went against them. The JT picked to start of the game, Bosa getting ejected, um, some things like that went against them, and then they had a poor defensive scheme, and they had a poor plan of attack that didn't involve the tailbacks enough, and that's on, that's on the coaches, but... It doesn't mean they're a terrible team, but I think there were some coaching letdowns. And I want to jump to a question real quick that I had noticed, Bill. It's from somebody with some Iowa insight, talking about how Ohio State had an arrogant defensive game plan
1: last week and didn't blitz enough. Yeah, I'll find it. It's, uh, here, where is it? Well, we got a question from Dave Fitzgerald who said, um, Iowa has fewer offensive yards than plays today against Wisconsin. Ohio State just housed Antonio by forty five. What happened last week? And then uh John Miller, whose handle is Hawkeye Nation. I think he's actually a media guy for for Iowa, actually. Let's see. He's the founder and publisher of HawkeyeNation dot com. Almost forty two thousand Twitter followers, so Yes, and seems very unbiased. Um he said uh Ohio State came in with an arrogant defensive plan, fewest blitzes against Iowa in that game of any team all year. What? I, I don't remember. I, I know, Tim, you said that last week that they weren't blitzing enough.
2: No, it seemed like they were trying to win the game by rushing just four, and it seemed like it didn't work, whereas today, you know, they came with some more blitzes. And the fact, the first sack by Malik Harrison, who I wrote about after the game, you know, him and Tough Borland stepping in for the injuries to Jerome Baker and uh, Dante Booker. Which
0: we'll get to yeah, because
2: that also was a topic, okay. but yes, continue. He, he made a nice play off the edge to sack Brian Lewerke, and there was another one where Chris Worley made a nice move, kind of rotated from the outside to get to the middle, came in free on Lewerke. So it was clear they tried to blitz a little more. They were a little more aggressive in this game, which I think was important. You know, It, it established the tone early, and it made Michigan State very uncomfortable passing when they couldn't run the football anymore. When I do, I mean, they they
0: learned from it. They gave the ball to the tailbacks today on offense, and they blitzed a little more on defense. I think, I think they got caught up a little bit on both sides last week in what they thought they could do. They thought they could get four-man pressure with the defensive line, and so they didn't do other things that teams had done against Iowa, and then that didn't really work. And they thought they could throw it, because they had been focused on throwing it so much this year, and they were so focused on throwing it, they didn't run it. So... You know, that's going to be one of those, d- 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 if this team doesn't make the playoff, people are going to be talking about the Iowa loss for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bad game plan. It was a bad game plan on both sides by veteran coaches. So Greg Schiano has coached in the NFL. Kevin Wilson has been a head coach. Urban Meyer is one of the best college football coaches of all time. And they kind of blew it with the game plan at Iowa. And And I don't know what else to say about that other than they got better this week so I mean we we laid it on them last week, and you still lay it on them but but to me this this I said last week that Urban Meyer lose his edge, and I think allowing that Iowa game to happen is some indication of some part of that. I think there's a version of Urban Meyer out there in the past that maybe would not have allowed that game against Iowa to happen, but they got the edge back. Can you imagine if we were sitting here today? And they got whacked again, people would be freaking out. So it was yeah. a really bad day last week with the bad game plan. But this showed you who they still are and still can be.
1: I mean, I think it showed you who they, who they really are, like who they actually are. They did a thing, is, is angry Ohio State, the best team in the country. Um, and people took that the wrong way. Like we weren't making an argument that Ohio State right now is the best team in the country. We were making the argument that when Ohio State plays like that, it's it can be the best team in the country, and I think that's true. Um, but no, I mean I agree with all you said about Iowa. I don't. I don't. I don't want to rehash what you said. I think it was just it was a very very poor I do think this like you you said they didn't lose on emotion last week. I think they lost partly on emotion but I think they lost mostly on their game plan. I do think they were flat and that was kind of evident from the beginning but yeah that was a horrible game plan and they lost because of it and then they had a really good game plan today I thought against a, a much better Michigan State team I think. A Michigan State team is much better than Iowa. So them. so let's so we'll we'll hit this
0: quick and then we want to talk about this game. We know you, it's very complicated emotional time it really is it can be hard to be a sports fan this is there are conflicting emotions um that's real that's real but as we play briefly counselors to our loyal buckeye talk audience which by the way was down this week you guys weren't vibing on it as much this week after the big loss hope you guys pick it back up a little bit uh after the big win um Would you advise people to take this as, yay, bounce back, or, oh,
2: what could have been? I think I'd go with bounce back and maybe a little bit of yay in there because optimistic Tim, baby, he's back. Well, I mean, you have to consider it in the context of, you have to assume that under normal circumstances, which normal for college football is, I don't know what you would call normal in those contexts, but you have to consider under the prism that Ohio State's goal now is just win the Big Ten, and whatever happens after that happens outside of that. It's just a matter of them taking care of their own business at this point, which is all they can really do with that second loss. They're still in position to do that. They've got to win the next two, and they're going to Indianapolis. So in that context alone, you can be pretty happy with what they did and doing it to a quality opponent as well.
1: Hard disagree. <laughs> Hard disagree. Um, yeah, they can still play for the Big Ten championship. Uh, that's awesome. Good good for Ohio State. You can get another trophy. Players get a ring for that, and that is important. I don't mean to minimize that. Uh, You blew it. You had one of the best teams in the country, and you lost by 31. And a a loss that I and we'll get we'll do some playoff talk. A loss that I still think is insurmountable in terms of that conversation, unless crazy stuff happens. So uh, enjoy the rest of the season. Next week's going to be boring. Enjoy the Michigan game. Enjoy the Big Ten title game if you get there, but do so knowing that you blew it. Can I can I explain what is on the table here? What these
0: past what Ohio State in the college football playoff era has a chance to be. 2014, barely scrape in by a miracle, because you kill Wisconsin the Big Ten Championship game, and then you win it. 2015, clearly one of the four best teams. Sabotage yourself, don't make the playoff. 2016, not one of the four best teams. Make the playoff, get your butt kicked, 2017, clearly one of the four best teams, probably not make the playoff. So the last three years, they will have been one of the four best teams two of the three years, and the only year they are going to make the playoff is the year they weren't, and then they got shut
1: out. Yeah, and I do feel like they're... I know you think Penn State should have been in the playoff last year, and I guess I agree with that kind of based on their resume, but I don't like... There is no other team in the playoff era, I think, who is who is existing the way Ohio State is existing with these kind of it's like wonky playoff existence. Where yeah, you don't you don't get in when you should, you get in when you shouldn't. You don't win the title when you're great, and you get there when you're just kind of okay.
0: Yeah, crazy. Uh, okay, what else we got?
1: Okay, uh, real quick, uh, John George at sleuth underscore dog said status of Damon Arnett for next week. Damon Arnett got hurt in the second quarter. Uh, Urban Meyer said it is a thigh bruise, and like a significant thigh bruise, whatever that means. Uh, I saw Arnett walking out of the locker room after the game. Like he wasn't on crutches or anything like that. He was limping. Someone said to him, are you walking home? And he said, yeah. So I think he's okay. I would expect that he'll play next week. He was walking home? He said he was walking home. Yeah, he was. I mean, he had a pretty good limp, but he wasn't on crutches and he didn't have like a brace or anything like that. But he got on the bus. He didn't. No, no. Like he was out there late. Like you remember, you used to like the bus left Billy Price. Um, The bus, I think, also left David Arnett. Really?
0: So we do interviews after the games with guys, and then they come down and they meet with their family. And if you don't have to do interviews, you just come down and meet with your family. And then they have buses. Right outside the gate at Ohio Stadium, and those buses take the guys back to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And Billy Price, they always like, tell us, like, one more question, two more questions, whatever, like, wrap it up. And, and a guy like Billy Price is so nice, and guys like us are so annoying. We always have one more, one more, we squeeze in, squeeze in. So Billy Price came down, and the bus was gone. So I don't know how he was going to get back, but now that you've told me this story, I'm going to imagine in my head that Billy Price carried Damon Arnett to the Woody Hayes (laughs) Athletic Center because that is the kind of freaking guy that Billy Price is. I'm going to have a Billy Price, gigantic Billy Price story early next week, Monday or Tuesday, so look for that. Um, All right, so Damon Arnett's okay, and uh, Booker and Baker sound like they should be back next week as well.
1: Yeah, they should be good to go next week. Um, Shelby Goldman... Someone will walk by the car and scare the crap out of me. <laughs> Shelby <laughs> Goldman uh, says Agree, disagree. Even if Ohio State closes the season with more impressive wins like today, it's delusional to think they can erase the embarrassment of Iowa Oklahoma losses and make the playoff. So I think
0: two things are at play here. One is if you're the champion of the Big Ten, there are only five power conference champions. That means something. If you are the champion of the Big Ten, that means something. However, I also don't know if there's this big group of two-loss teams and we're talking about a two-loss team getting in, why would it be Ohio State? Like people are sort of like, well, if this team loses and that team loses and whatever, it's like, yeah, then all those teams are going to have two losses also. Why would Ohio State necessarily win the battle of two-loss teams if we get to that point? We've never had a two-loss team in the playoff, maybe we will this year, but Tim, would would they win a battle? And we don't know who's going to be in the battle, but if they're a Big Ten champ with two losses, theoretically, how strong is that two-loss case if they're in that battle?
2: Depends how many other two-loss champs there are. And one one example I'll give is the Pac-12. Nobody in the Pac-12 was more than two losses, and I can argue pretty easily that the Big Ten is a far better conference than the Pac-12, so I would say a two-loss Big Ten champion would do would mean way more than being a two-loss Pac-12 champ. Then you have to look at the Big 12. If Oklahoma and TCU split, now we're getting into advanced chaos theory right here. If Oklahoma and TCU split, like they play tonight, Saturday night, say they meet again in the Big 12 title game, they have to split those games because one-loss conference champion will always get ahead of a two-loss champ. So, in reference to Shelby's question, I agree that it's a little delusional, only because they're not in control of their own destiny. They need things to happen, and a lot
1: of things. Yeah, I think it's pretty delusional. I was having an argument in the press box with, uh...
0: Bill, why are you that way? Can't you just watch the game in peace? Why do you have to get in fights all the time?
1: Because Ari Wasserman brings it out of me. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um... And he like, he seemed to think that any playoff talks surrounding Ohio State is absurd. And maybe I'm putting words in his mouth. So Ari, if you're listening to this, I apologize and hello. Um, I don't think it's absurd. It's like borderline absurd, but I don't think it's quite to that point. Ohio State as a two-loss conference champ in comparison with Oklahoma would lose. I think as a two-loss champ in comparison with anyone from the Pac-12, I think they would win. And I think with anyone from the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma, they would win, or at least have a very good chance of winning. Um, and I even think as a two-loss conference champion, in what I think we can agree is probably viewed as the best conference by the committee, might even have an argument over a Notre Dame team with one loss and no conference champion ch- championship. So I, I don't think it's completely crazy. Um, I would not bet in favor of it. I think it's highly unlikely. Um, but it's not impossible. I... I <laughs>
0: we don 't want to spend too much time on it we'll, I, would, I would imagine once all these results are in from the weekend and we see what things look like Tuesday night, we might talk about it next mid midweek on the midweek Buckeye talk coming up in a couple of days. Um, you just have to see because, as Tim said, you need a lot of stuff to happen, so we 'll see how much stuff starts to happen. Um, and I just think it's t- to play the game of like well, at this moment, they need these seven things to happen it's like, well, why don't we wait and see if three of them happen so then we're only talking about they need these four things to happen um, but I think absurd it's not absurd, but i don't want to waste a ton of breath on it, even though it can be fun because it 's pretty convoluted at the moment
2: yeah it's, it's maybe a little absurd today in a week that could change. I mean we were talking about the the insane scenarios that have to happen the the ball's already rolling on that a little bit Washington lost last night Georgia lost tonight to Auburn so the ball is rolling a little bit still a ton of things have to happen but you know it's a week-to-week thing you know what could be delusional tonight you know all of a sudden we go into Michigan week and all of a sudden maybe it's not so delusional but they have to get into the top 10 first for this to even be a discussion but
0: I do think the point is taken
2: that that Iowa loss is not just a loss that hurt Penn State last year
0: to get whooped by Michigan. Um, and that was earlier in the season. And Penn State had a better case for, like, we're different since then. This was like a late-season destruction with an Ohio State team that is who they are. Like, that, there's not a million things. There weren't injuries at play. It's like, I don't know. It's like, okay, Nick Bosa got ejected and missed a half. They're not going to put Ohio State in the playoff because Nick Bosa missed a half. You know what I mean? So that, that, that was who Ohio State is. Today against Michigan State, that was who Ohio State is. But absolutely, that Iowa loss was who Ohio State is as well. You cannot slough that off on something else. Because you got beat on both sides of the ball convincingly. And you've got to own that. And it's, it's, it's going to be hard to get the committee to let that go unless ever it's it's, here's the point the committee's not going to let that go you just need everybody else you're competing against to have as many problems as you do yeah you're not going to do anything to
1: make them forget that it's just is everybody (laughs) else is flawed i agree okay let's get off playoff talk then because we got to get a lot of playoff questions we'll talk more about it midweek um we got a ton of linebacker questions. So i I they all kind of center on the same thing. So Goon asked one. Uh let's see. Chris McCormick asked one. Eric Bronstein asked one. Um other people did.
2: Yeah, I got a couple. There's a
1: lot there's a ton of linebacker questions. So I'm trying to find one that kind of sums it all up. Let's see. Here's one. Buck off Leahy. Should Urban consider changes in the linebacker unit considering how well the new lineup did today? Okay, let's do it this way. Assuming
0: everyone is healthy next week, who are your starting linebackers?
2: Baker, Booker, Worley. I don't even think there's much of a question about it because those have been the guys all season. Those are the guys that you're going to ride with. I feel like tough Borland, as good as he played today, really only succeeds in matchups like against Michigan State with a power running team and Malik Harrison, you know, he had another great game. He had he had a very good game. He had a sack, but I think, you know, he's he does well in that rotation role. I don't know how ready he is for, you know, full time starting duty at the moment. So I think you ride with the guys that have started
1: all season. I don't know. I don't know if it's that simple. I can't I can't tell you confidently who I think the the best three linebackers are. Um, I'm, I'm pretty confident Chris Worley's in that group, but then I don't know who the other two are. So I might say like Worley and Borland, and that means playing Worley outside and then Booker or Baker, probably Baker. Cause Baker's got so much upside, even though I think he hasn't played that well this year. Cause I agree with you, Tim, tough Borland is more suited to play against these kind of teams. They're playing Michigan and they're probably playing Wisconsin. Those are tough Borland games. Um, so I think Borland in the middle, Worley and Baker.
0: I just ha- I have a question real quick about Illinois' offense. Do they have an offense?
1: Uh, they do have eleven players they put on the field on the offensive side of the ball. I couldn't tell you. Do they have a coach that. that coaches the offense? Probably. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so when the ball, well, theoretically, when Illinois snaps the ball, they will attempt to advance it down the field. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: I believe, I believe that is the case. I-, I can't. I can't be certain though. Is Rashad Mendenhall on that team still? No, you know, I had a roommate in college uh, whose last name was Mendenhall, and we called him Rashad for four years. Nice. It was, is Red Grange on that team still? No. No. Okay, so I would play tough Borland in the middle, Worley and Baker outside. Listen. Illinois is 124th in the country in total offense. All right, we stand corrected. Of Tennessee? Oh, my goodness, Tennessee. They do not. Uh, We stand corrected. We were operating under the assumption that Illinois
0: plays offense. Um, They don't. So I'm going to go with the no linebacker look. I'm going to play. Here's what I'm playing next week. Double nickel. Here's my defensive look. Nick Bosa attacking the quarterback. Denzel Ward cover everybody.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you're just going to play 11 on 2 the whole game? 11
0: on 2, and I'll take my chances. Um, I would play Borland in the middle. I think I was not sold on tough Borland as like a against every team, always sure thing middle linebacker. But I think the point about what is ahead, um, I think, and uh, I think Chris Worley is a good player. I think he's a better player outside. It doesn't mean I don't think he's a good middle linebacker. I think Booker's been okay. I don't think Booker's been great. At this point, I'm a big fan of Dante Booker, as I've said a million times personally, for what he's gone through with this program and the injury he suffered last year, and I think he's a good guy who does the right things. I think to win down the stretch until you face some crazy spread team, I think your best chance to win is tough Borland in the middle, Chris Worley and Jerome Baker outside, and then if you want to play, if you're, if you're a little uncertain about Baker and coverage and you want to play Harrison and Worley and Nickel, I would be okay with that instead of Worley and Baker and Nickel. I would be okay with that. You need Jerome Baker on the field because Jerome Baker is an extremely talented. And then I think also it's sort of a loaded question. I said who would you start? I think all five are going to play because they have. So just because you might start somebody doesn't mean doesn't mean Dante Booker doesn't get a series here and there. Doesn't mean Harrison doesn't come in a nickel. But I would make that move. Um, Borland,
1: Baker, Worley. Eric Bronson asked and this. To continue with the linebacker talk, whether or not moving Worley inside in the first place was a error in managing personnel and why was the move made. I think, like, clearly Worley, Booker, and Baker were the three best linebackers, and they were just trying to find the right mix to get those three on the field. And they probably didn't think Tough Borland was ready at the beginning of the year, um, which is fair. So, But in hindsight, I, I, I do think that moving Worley to the middle was a bit of a mistake. I just think he's much better on the outside. I, like like you said, Doug, I don't think he's horrible in the middle, but it just, he just seems much more natural as an outside linebacker. So in hindsight, I think it's easy to say it was a mistake, but the reason they made that change in the first place was to get the guys they thought were the three best on the field.
0: And your middle linebacker is your quarterback. He's your captain. He, so it's like you put the veteran in there. We've seen that. I've seen that in the past here. You kind of put that guy in there, and even, even if it's not the exact fit in sort of terms of like the skill set um, – I think it made sense. I don't think you could have put What's Borland? This is his second year?
2: Yeah, he's a redshirt. He's a redshirt freshman. freshman. So I got to understand, you know, not playing him a middle linebacker right away cuz we didn't we knew, knew nothing about him until he comes in in the Army game, funny enough, in relief for Worley and plays well. And so he's a different player now than he would have been
0: at the beginning of the year, and I just don't think they had another option. I I, I don't I don't know what else they could have done. I mean, your other middle linebacker is is Baron Browning, who's a true freshman. And I think there was a time where maybe you thought Justin Hilliard might be a guy there, um, but his career hasn't really gone, maybe as people expected. So uh, I, I don't think that... Uh, you could not have put Tough Borland out there at the start of the year. So maybe it was a mistake, but I think it was a mistake they had to make. I don't know what else they could have done.
1: Yeah, I agree. Okay, Scott Duda. Duda! How did we get kick coverage cleaned up after struggle, struggling for much of the year? You put better players on the kick coverage team, uh, Austin Mack and Malik Harrison. And Dante Booker was on it last week. I actually forgot to look and see who played in this place this week. It might have been...
0: Eric Smith was out there, I think.
1: Yeah, I think it might have been Eric Smith. I think So, listen, they have a lot of walk-ons, um, former walk-ons, freshmen play on special teams. And I think you just saw like the results of guys being out there who weren't ready slash shouldn't be out there. Um, and they made the change, and they put better players out there. And this was actually a really good kick return team for Michigan State. They don't—I don't know if they have any returns for touchdowns, but in terms of like efficiency and average yards for return, um, they're pretty good. So that was that was the most impressive game I thought they had on kick coverage.
0: And by the way, Blake Hobby getting it done now.
1: Yeah, he even had one that like he he kicked out of bounds, but like he kicked it out of bounds because it was like almost too good of a kick. Like it it landed on the perfect spot, and like I thought it was crazy that the returner didn't catch it. He put it exactly where he wanted to put it, and the guy like took a gamble, and it paid off. But he should have fielded that ball, I thought. He just squeaked out of bounds.
0: I think Irb, if you asked Urban Meyer, what was your favorite play of this game, here would be my nominee. The kick, like deep kick in the corner, and Zach Turnier like running down the field like a crazy person and tackling the return guy at the five-yard line. That was like yeah that was a thing of beauty. It was a good kick, it was good coverage. There were guys, other guys in their lanes that sort of forced the returner to go where he went and then that freaking dude was like a shot out of a cannon and attacked the returner like it was a, uh like it was a baby, like a baby, like a baby fox, like a baby fox, and it's a bunch of rich guys with their hunting dogs and they were tracking down the fox. Is that a good way to say it? I don't hunt. I don't, I don't know. It's hunting season, by the way.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's a reason why you, you you put the former lacrosse player on scholarship. I mean, give him credit; he's been on. You got to put on scholarship this season. One of the two walk-ons who was given that honor before the season, and that's a play that shows how valuable, how much you need those type of guys on kick coverage to make kind of play like that. It's it's just one tackle, but special teams. You never like you never know what happens when you pin a team inside the ten. Uh, is there
0: a question on over/under of how many farts I've left during this podcast? There are not. It's four. <laughs> is the over/under? I
1: was going to say take the over. Um, good thing I'm good thing I'm sick because I can't really smell anything. Uh, here, let's right. wrap this uh, up. God bless you. Okay, <laughs> we'll end with uh, we'll end with this question. Scott Smale at Water Walker 23 played great today. Still concerned with passing game on both sides of the ball. Um, I thought the pass defense was good. They kept attacking Denzel Ward. It made no sense. And Denzel Ward played really well. But I do. Sorry, go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, what they did, they made a
2: nice adjustment. I think Bill kind of pointed that, this out a little bit. They put Denzel Ward on the tight end a lot. And that sounds like a terrible matchup on paper, Denzel Ward against the tight end. But that worked. You know, he had a great, nice couple pass breakups to the tight end. They kept attacking Denzel
1: Ward, which I thought was interesting. I'm at the point now where I don't think Denzel Ward on anybody is a terrible matchup. It's like, a terrible matchup for the offense. Yeah, for the other guy. For the, He's really good. He's going to be a first-round pick.
2: And much credit as well to Damon Arnett before he got hurt. He had a tremendous first half, fumble recovery. He had a pick, His probably, I'd say, his best half of the season. I think it was, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a little probably disappointing for him that he got hurt because that was the only blemish on what you what obviously was a great half for him. And I'm going to write about this, the fact that they finally broke their turnover draft. They only had one since the Maryland game. And that was on the last play in Nebraska. They got three turnovers and they only turned one of them into points. But it was, I think, it has to be good for that defense to finally be able to take the football away.
0: Also, Bill has this coming uh, on Sunday morning and his observations.
1: What are you terming Damon Webb, who had another pick? Uh, what did I say, Malik hooker Light? Like, Malik hooker. yeah, Malik hooker Light. He's not Malik Cooker because no one's Malik Hooker, But if you were hoping that someone would be like a back end defender who would worry the opposing offense because he's playing center field a little bit and tracking the ball well, I think you're starting to see some of that from Damon Webb. And I'll tell you what, like, and Greg Schiano has been talking about the safeties, but, like,
0: Jordan Fuller as a guy who can line up like a corner and cover a dude and then Damon Webb patrolling, they are getting it done. I and then last week. And then it, oh, except for the the game they lost by 31. Um The other thing, in terms of Ohio State throwing it, like, they didn't even try today. And I was getting in a fight with people on Twitter during the game. Listen, we are as, and I muted somebody, and you might know who you are. I muted somebody, too. Just don't be annoying. I don't like to block people, but I will mute the bejesus out of you because (laughs) I'm not on this earth to have you annoy me on Twitter, especially in the middle of a game. And, like, I get it. Like, you know, you want everything to be perfect, but, like, don't, don't be annoying about it. And then also, by the way, if we're a little, I muted somebody else, and you know who you are. If you're just like, okay, we wrote about the team last week. They were terrible. We wrote things about them. They had a lousy day. And now it's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. They won. And it's like, yeah, they're much better today. It doesn't take away last week. So you don't have to be a jerk about it. And I don't block you unless you swear, but I will mute you, and then you are just bellowing into nothingness, and you can tag me forever, and I'm not going to see it. So there. Thanks for
1: being a loyal Buckeye Talk listener, though. I'll see it and make sure that Doug sees it.
0: Yeah, he'll point it out to me. So here's the thing. JT Barrett won. Threw a perfect deep ball to Ben Victor. Dropped it right in his lap Very for a good. touchdown. Previous to that, I had given him credit for putting up two deep balls that drew pass interference calls. And somebody was like, oh, yeah, that terrible throw to, I think it was, it was in the, to Johnny Dixon in the middle of the field. The super underthrown one. Yeah. Here's the deal on the super underthrown one, okay? JT was on the move. He was scrambling. He saw his receiver in the middle of the field One-on-one. And on the move, he gave his receiver a chance. He wasn't going to throw a perfect ball there, but he trusted his guy to either come back and make a catch or maybe draw a penalty. Why not take a shot? You have to take shots like that. And if you want every ball that's thrown 25, 35, 40 yards down the field to be a perfect pass, go play Madden. That's not how it works. That's not how it so works
1: about it either.
0: That was a good play by JT. It wasn't an accident that he got a pass interference call on that. And I know I've complained in the past about like the pass interference rules of, hey, underthrow a pass, and the guy is coming back for the ball, and the defensive back doesn't even see it, and you get rewarded for a lousy play. But that's the, that's how it works. So we don't count, and I almost want to go back. I know I added up. When I was doing the five reasons Ohio State would win, I went back into the passing chart that Tim does every week, and I added up all the throws that Tim had tracked of everything he does at left, center, right, and different yardages, all the throws more than 20 yards down the field, 12 of 40 this year, okay? They want to be around 50%. That's not close to 50%. But what I don't know is how they count it, and I'm sure they take it into account. And I don't know how often this happened, the pass interference calls. Because every time you chuck it down the field and you get a free 15 yards, that does not go in JT Barrett's ledger. That's 15 yards, baby. That's 15 yards every time. And they've had a multiple of those. And when you are doing something because, A, you're making a good throw and forcing them, to get pass interference, or you're making an iffy throw, but what the heck, why not, let's see what happened, and you get pass interference, that counts. That's yardage, and I know they account for that in some way, and they probably put that in their formula so that they're closer to 50%, but just because J.T. Barrett is not dropping dimes like he's YA tittle doesn't mean that you've got to get in my timeline and start complaining about J.T. Barrett's accuracy in the middle of a 45-point win. Listen. Nobody complains about JT Barrett more than us. That's not true. Who complains more about JT Barrett than we do? Ohio State fans. Oh, yeah, Ohio State fans. But we're realistic. We are always realistic about JT. We are realistic. Yeah. We told you when he was bad. We told you when he was good. So today he was not, he was Nothing. They didn't even throw it. I mean, I don't even count it. He threw a really good ball to Victor. All the other stuff we've talked about all year, the mesh routes and the this, they didn't throw any. They threw, like, practically no bubbles today. They threw one to J.K. They threw, Dobbins. They threw a couple, of, they threw a couple of bubbles. Dobbins scored on one. But that was almost like an extended handout. That's like – Kevin Wilson was so afraid of Urban Meyer hmm. that he wouldn't. It was like, uh, this, is a, this is a play that we usually run for Paris, but uh, – I guess i got to run it for J.K. Urban's going to be up my butt.
1: There's a mandate.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's the word. Um, Yeah, the mandates only come after losses. Devastating, crushing, program-ruining losses. Then you get the mandate. Yeah, Stuff happens. What are you going to do? Yeah. All right, so we'll get into playoff talk down the road as it's warranted. We're not going to waste a lot of time on it. It's not absurd. It's just early at the moment. So let's see how stuff plays out. Um, Time will tell hey <laughs> that's yeah the passage as the earth rotates on its axis as the,
1: <laughs>
2: as the world turns
0: the present becomes the past the future becomes the present um all right so he's tim bielick he's bill anderson douglae maurice read our stuff at cleveland.com bunch of videos we have like i think we must have like Eight to ten different videos of different players talking from after the win because when they win, all the players come out, baby. The whole offensive line. Well, I think everyone but Isaiah Prince. Yeah. So I have, I know I put up Michael Jordan, Demetrius Knox, and Billy Price videos. I know we have a Malik Harrison video. I know we have uh, a Mike Weber video. We have
1: have have, JT. We have JT. We have Urban. Damon Webb, and uh, there will be a tough Borland one up by Sunday morning. So. Go enjoy those videos. We have a couple videos of us talking, um, and we'll be back
0: Monday. It's Illinois week. As far as we know, Illinois is it, Illinois continues to field a full NCAA Division One college we'll football
2: team. If I, if I can quote the movie Major League, they have uniforms and everything. Wow. Congratulations to Levy.
0: Also a former NFL coach, mm-hmm. by the way.
2: A, a former NFC champion coach, too.
0: How about the fact that Rutgers is ten times the program Illinois is right now? Rutgers covered today against Penn State. Um, so, anyway, so Illinois next week, and then it'll be Michigan week, and then uh, just so you know, if Ohio State wins next week against Illinois, let me rephrase that. When Ohio State receives the forfeit from <laughs> Illinois next week, they're the East
1: champs. No. I, no. Yeah. N- not, no, not if Penn State loses. No, wait, What? So Ohio State holds all of the multiple-team tiebreakers. So there is a scenario in which Ohio State can beat Illinois, lose to Michigan, and still go, but that is contingent upon Penn State winning out, which would create a three-way tie in the Big Ten with uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, I believe. And then the tiebreaker is the record within the division, and Ohio State would have that because Penn State has two division losses. Am I saying that right? What are you, a scientist? Yeah. yeah. Penn State has two division losses, Michigan has two division losses, and Ohio State would only have one to Michigan.
0: Michigan only has two Big Ten losses at the moment?
1: Yeah, Penn State and Michigan State, and I'm a numbers guy. What you just had has my
2: head spinning. It's pretty simple for Ohio State. Win and you're into Indy. So,
0: but so to be fair, there's not a situation where Ohio State could beat Illinois and then rest all its starters for the Michigan game to gear up for the Big Ten championship.
1: Uh, Correct. Correct. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. This isn't, People this are isn't, throwing
0: or driving off the road. This isn't the NBA. No, it's the <laughs> Michigan game. Um, okay, thanks for listening, you guys. Go read our stuff at Cleveland.com. We're your Cleveland.com coverage team. Um, subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe where all fine podcasts are stored. Um, follow us on Twitter, at BillAndis25, at Tim Bielek. I'm in my wrap-up phase. No. Hold on. Let me finish the wrap-up part. <laughs> at Tim Bielek,
1: at Doug Maurice.
0: Okay, say that other thing
1: now. Okay, so, uh, yeah, you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play and all those fun places. If you are someone who listens on SoundCloud, which I don't think there are many, but if you are one of those people, um, that will soon no longer be an option for you because we're migrating it away from SoundCloud. Eventually, not like tomorrow, but soon. Is that migration uh, because we're going to start making so much money off the podcast? Yes.
0: Okay. Woo! Um, big day, big day thanks to you guys, for Bill, for Tim I'm Doug and that was Buckeye Talk